0: This is a homeless's worst nightmare. There's too much to preach on. Because all of these readings are so full that it goes against every instinct in my being to not just simply open up every single line. For your listening pleasure, though, I won't. So, moving on. We come here in the evening on a random day in October to understand that everything is prepared for us. 100% prepared. However, this gospel tends to be a little confusing The reason being that, hey, we kind of get the idea that this wedding feast is supposed to be the participation in the mysteries. It's supposed to be this participation in divine life. And yeah, we get those people that decided to put their business and to put other things ahead of the Lord. But a lot of us, and this was me included, until about 6 years into my seminary career, a lot of us tend to think, what in the world is going on when you pull a random dude off the side of the street and then harass him for not having a wedding garment? This is the equivalent to saying, hey, come on into my house. They come into your house in blue jeans and a t-shirt and say, why don't you have your tuxedo in your back pocket? It doesn't make sense. It seems completely unjust until you realize that the undertone of this entire gospel is that he was given a wedding garment as he walked through the front door. This one nameless guy in this parable was given this wedding garment and in essence said, eh, don't need it. Threw it aside and just wanted to The participation in the festival, but not to participate in the identification that he was called, that he was chosen. And you see, for us, we each have this wedding garment. What is this wedding garment? This wedding garment isn't merely just this white thing that I wear. No, it's the baptismal identity. It's the baptismal garment and not the little white thing that a lot of babies wear and they're cute and stuff like that. No, we quickly outgrow that, quite literally. The reality is, it is the indelible mark which can never be erased from our soul. But we can set it aside when we choose to say, I do not want to participate in this. I'd rather participate in sin. I'd rather participate in my own selfish desires or my own rules. And therefore, we de facto set aside this wedding garment. So when the king comes in and finds this guy without a wedding garment, he immediately knows that he not only rejected to be identified with him, but he rejected the gift of his friendship. So recognizing the freeness of this call and this choice, he acted accordingly and said, fine, then you're no longer welcome because I invited you. I wanted you here, but you did not want to be here. You see, for us, The Christian life is incredibly simple. It's difficult, but it's simple. Man only finds himself in a sincere gift of himself. So says the Second Vatican Council document, Gaudium et Spes, often quoted by a hero of mine, Pope St. John Paul II. And it was quoted at my first Mass. Ironically, the alb that I wear is a sign of the baptismal garment, is is what I bring to the priesthood. So the priest who was preaching to me said, Remember that you do not exist for yourself, neither does your priesthood. I'm not a priest for me. You know who I'm a priest for? For you. That's why I'm a priest. To spend my life, to sacrifice my life, that way you may have a shot at eternal life. Man only finds himself in a sincere gift of himself. But here's the thing, that's not a call merely for a priest or for a deacon. It's a call for everyone baptized into Christ. Each of you have this baptismal garment. Each of you have this wedding garment. And the reality is we are made for self-gift. So life is incredibly simple. To completely sacrifice ourselves. That others may live and and participate in the divine life by means of our sacrifice some total that is what the goal of christianity is and then by participating in that then we receive not only the participation in divine life but the honor of christ simple not easy this is why we have confession This is why we need to participate in these great mysteries, because it is difficult and God gives the help. And by the way, just so you know, I call you guys to confess about once a month, right? I confess once a week, because if I dare to enter into that sacred moment where I receive your confessions, I better practice this. Life is simple, not easy. So when we fall, we go back to receive the cleansing power of Christ and receive the wedding garment unstained once again. And this is where it becomes beautiful. Like I said, it's so rich today that I have to restrict myself because I could open up every single line but I'm just gonna focus on one word in the second reading. Because the second reading focuses on my, one of my absolute favorite virtues, magnanimity, big-souledness, which regulates our desire for honor because sometimes honor is good. Again, honor is meant so that we can attract people to something that we are seeking. I desire to be an honorable priest, a holy priest, again, because you deserve it, and you deserve the chance to know that it's possible to be holy. And trust me, I've got a long way to go. I've got a long way to go. But what is the hope? I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul uses two words. I'm going to focus on two, actually. All things. Omnipotent. Almighty. Paul ascribes to himself the divine attribute of omnipotence. That's a bold statement. Why? Because he who strengthens me, or him who strengthens me, is actually one word in Greek. It is a verb transformed into a noun. Namely, this is who Christ is. He is the one who strengthens us by means of our participation in the Eucharist, by means of our participation in confession, in prayer, in the Mass, in everything the Church offers. It's He who does this. It's not the amount of rosaries that we pray or scapulars that we wear. It's not the amount of chaplets that we give ourselves to or how many consecration to saints that we offer ourselves to. Those are good things, but without the heart behind it, namely, I want to make a complete, total, and without reserve gift of myself. It is pointless. It's actually a heresy named Pelagianism, because I try to earn my own salvation instead of simply cooperating with the grace which is offered to me. It's possible. It's more than possible. It is promised. Should we desire to cooperate with grace? And here's the thing this rich choice food and drink that we hear about in Isaiah, it is not. A filet mignon cooked to medium rare, as all steak should be. It is not that. It is the fattened calf of the Son of God being sacrificed, poured out, and killed for us. And a sacrifice is completed by our reception of it, namely our consuming of it. So, the choice is ours right now. To be a magnanimous soul means that you desire great things for God's honor. I don't merely want to hear, I'll be a saint one day. Or I choose to do little things that may somehow affect someone down the line. No, that's not enough. That's not the magnanimous prayer. The magnanimous prayer is, I desire to be so utterly converted by the, by the charity of God's love that I am on fire and merely touching another person will set them ablaze as well. That's a magnanimous prayer. I want every single moment of my suffering, whether it be getting up out of bed in the morning or something way more serious, to be utilized for salvation. That is what you were called to. Because the king is present, and we dare ask for pennies? He wants to give us the riches of his kingdom, and we're satisfied with TikTok, YouTube, the endless news cycle instead of the endless and infinite charity of Christ. All I can say is this, the promise is given, and Christ himself will make it happen. And it can happen to you, and God willing, and if I have anything to say about it, it will happen to you. You merely need to say yes to the wedding garment you received when we were we little lads and lasses. We we little people. And to say he's the one who gives me my identity. No one but my father owns me. Praise be Jesus Christ.